reading today is taken from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians, chapter 3, starting at verse 12. And you can find this on page 1180 of the Church Bible. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. All of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there. Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. <coughs> Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Tim. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be our teacher this morning, that you would open our eyes and our understanding to see what you have to say to us today. Help us to see Jesus more clearly. Amen. Last week, uh, Irene and myself were away on holiday. We were in Turkey near uh, Ephesus, uh, and uh, we had a great time. And last Sunday morning, uh, we decided that um, uh, we were with a group of friends that we'd go and visit a local town. I didn't go to church, by the way, but then it's hard to find a church in Turkey, sadly. It's not the one that's public and open. Uh, so we went to go and visit this local town. And as we approached, we noticed that there were cars parked everywhere. It was really difficult to find somewhere to park. Eventually, we found somewhere. And as we got out of our cars... Um, we, we, we could hear um, somebody shouting over a loudspeaker and lots of noise and people cheering. And slowly we made our way a bit tentatively towards the seafront, a bit nervous and apprehensive because we thought we may be actually walking into a demonstration because all that's going on uh, with Syria. <coughs> but eventually we found ourselves at the seafront. And uh, much to our delight, it wasn't a demonstration, it was a marathon. There was runners coming down the road and people were lined on both sides of the street cheering people. So we joined in, cheering for the runners, more kind of a relief that it wasn't a demonstration, actually, excitement about the run. 
Uh, and as they came over the crossing, cr the um, finishing line, they were given a medal uh, for, the, for the race. Um, and you know, uh, the Bible talks a lot about the Christian life being like a race or like a journey. And that's what I want us to think about uh, this morning. And we've prayed already for uh, Enid and her parents. And our prayer is that one day she will decide for herself that she wants to be a Christian and she wants to follow Jesus. Because Tim and Heine recognize that, that faith isn't something you, that, that, that she will inherit from them. They can guide her, they can talk to her about it, they can pray for her, but she herself has got to make that personal decision for herself. And that's true for all of us. So I thought this morning, if I may, I'd just share briefly my faith story with you. I don't think I've done it here before. Um, it's very ordinary. Nobody's going to write a book about it. Nobody's going to make a film about it. But, you know, it was really important to me. Um, my parents were both committed Christians, so I knew from the start, from a young age, uh, that I had to decide for myself if I wanted to become a Christian, that I needed to respond personally to God and not rely on my upbringing. And when I was um, 11 years old, I went to a Christian youth camp, and uh, we had a great time away at camp. And on the final night, as there often is in these kind of camps, you have a, you have a bonfire, you have a campfire. And everybody sits around the fire drinking hot soup and burgers and things. And then the custom was that people would just stand up and just tell their story of how they became <coughs> a Christian. And anyone could stand up. There was no order to it. Just if you, if you felt you wanted to do it, you could just stand up. Some of the stories were dramatic. Others were less spectacular. But you sensed that it was still important to the storyteller. Some people stuttered and faltered through their stories. But then there were some, like me, people who didn't have a story to tell. But I knew what I had to do. I knew because I'd put it off so many times in the past. So I just sat in the quietness, close to that fire, in the warmth of the fire. I prayed. I asked God to forgive me. I asked Jesus to come into my life and told him I wanted him to be the most important person in my life. It was that simple. And I sensed a flood of joy and a sense of peace that just came over me. It's hard to explain that. But that time, that moment, I believe that God took a hold of my life. But you know, it was years before I told anybody about what had happened to me. Eventually, I plucked up the courage and decided I needed to be that baptised to show everyone that I was a Christian. And as I was, I was baptised in a big tank of water, as I came up out of the water, somebody read a Bible verse for me, specially chosen for me, and it was this, one that's in the book of Philippians that we've just read. It says, Paul, Paul writes, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I like that verse. I like the first bit anyway. I wanted to know Jesus more. I wanted to know the power of his spirit in my life. I was less keen on the bit about suffering and death. You see, I didn't understand it all at my baptism. But as I've grown in my Christian life, as I ended up working with Irene for 10 years in Pakistan, I understood more what it means to suffer for Christ. Because we don't understand everything all at once, do we, if we're on a journey? It's only over time that we grow in our understanding. And years later, I'm still learning. 
And actually, I want to know more and more of Christ in my life. And I know I've still got a long way to go. So that's my story. I wonder whether you have a story to tell. Not everyone can pinpoint a particular moment. And it's not so important being able to pinpoint the moment, but it's knowing that you've met Jesus. Because for some people, it can happen over a period of time. So that's what we're talking about this morning, about faith journeys. And in our passage, we see that the first important thing is to know where you started. If you're on a race or on a journey, you need to know where you begun. I wonder what the driving purpose in your life is. How would you describe the overall objective of your life? It may be related to your family or your career or your academic uh, achievement. Or it may be a sporting thing that you're aspiring for. Or to have your own home. And they're all good ambitions to have. I remember some years ago asking a work colleague, uh, sorry, him asking me what the goal in my life was. So I told him rather nervously that I wanted to serve God and I wanted to go overseas. That was before we went to Pakistan. Um, and then I decided to ask, I'd ask him the same question since he'd asked me. And he told me it was to have an easy life as possible. I just didn't know what to say to him. <laughs> but that is the driving force for many people. And I'm not here to judge other people in what their ambitions are. But I do know that when you have an encounter with Jesus, when you meet Jesus personally, then your ambitions change. You get a whole new set of priorities in your life. And that's what we see uh, in these verses. In fact, probably the most ambitious person that you could ever meet was a man who wrote this letter. His name was the Apostle Paul. Uh, even before he became a Christian, because he came from a Jewish background, he was a driven man. He, was, he, was, he achieved great academic success and was set to be a leading Jewish teacher of his day. But his passion didn't just remain in his academic studies. He was also passionately opposed to anyone who converted from Judaism to Christianity. So much so that he'd go and hunt out Christians and put them in prison. Then one day God took a hold of his life. He refers to this a few times. Look in verse 12 where he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And you may remember uh, Paul's story. One day he was on his way to arrest some Christians in Damascus. And in Acts, the book of Acts uh, tells this story if you want to read it later. In verse 1 it says, Meanwhile Saul, that was his name before he became a Christian, um, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He was consumed with hatred and he had one ambition, to lock them up. But as he was making his way to Damascus, he was stopped in his tracks. He was surrounded by a great light. And he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Paul asked who was speaking, and the reply came, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. Paul met Jesus, and his life was turned around. Instead of persecuting Christians, he began to plant churches. Instead of hindering God's work, he became central to what God was doing. The arrester is arrested. God takes a hold of his life. And Paul responds by saying he wants to lay hold of what God has for him. It was a dramatic turnaround for Paul. 
Do you know where your faith journey began? Can you talk about how God took a hold of your life? Can you say how you responded by taking hold of what God has for you? You see, the Christian life isn't about standing at a bus stop, singing worship songs and waiting to get on the bus to go to heaven. It's about taking hold of what Jesus took hold of us for. So what does this all mean practically? Well, Paul unpacks this in these next few verses where he encourages us to embrace the journey. I said earlier about the Christian life being like a journey. And journeys always have a starting point. They have that bit in the middle and then they have a bit at the end. And we've already thought about where it all starts. But the thing about journeys is often there's stress, there's tension involved if you're travelling. And Paul describes how God is at work in the tensions and the stresses that we experience in our Christian life, in our Christian journey. And it's through embracing these tensions that actually we're going to grow as Christians. So the first tension that he talks about is uh, this one. Are we there yet? Have you ever been on a journey with young kids and they've said at at the back, are we there yet? They express, you know, what we're really feeling. I just want to get there. I just want to get to the end of the journey. Paul says in verse 12, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. The goal is knowing Jesus, being known by him, and being transformed to be like him. He is the destination, because when we meet him, on that, when we cross that finishing line, we will be changed to be like him. You see, we can't say that we've arrived this side of heaven. We continue to be learners. And that's why we... Here at St. Stephen's, our strapline is learning to love as Jesus does. Because we are the in-betweeners. We are the not-there-yet people. We are a work in progress. And that's why Paul says that we have to keep pressing on. Even if it's tough being a Christian, keep going. The second tension is between the past and the present. I sometimes wonder, you know, what was Paul haunted by his past? Did he wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat thinking about the Christians that he'd arrested and sent into prison or to the lions? Did he get flashbacks? Did he regret what he did? We don't know because he doesn't actually talk about that. What we do know is that Paul says, don't let the past hold you back in your journey of faith. Of course, we have to bear the consequences of what we may have done or what others may have done to us. But we don't have to live burdened by the guilt of the past. What has happened in the past shouldn't stop us growing in faith in the present. That's why Paul says, but one thing I do, I forget what's behind and I strain forward to go and get my prize. I wonder for you whether the past is holding you back. Perhaps something that happened to you, something that you did. You know, only Jesus has that power to release us from those things in our past, to enable us to move forward and to grow in our understanding of him. The third tension is finding a good navigator, a good guide for our journey. 
And you know, I think we learn as much or perhaps even more about what it means to be a Christian from other people than we do from books because we see faith modelled all around us from other Christians. And, and um, Paul suggests in these verses that people actually look to him as a role model. Look in verse 7, he says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. Keep your eye on those who live as we do. You see, Paul was following Christ. And because he was following Christ, he could confidently say, follow me because I'm following Christ. But Paul goes on to add a, a note of warning here. He says, there are people in the church who are not good role models. There are people who are led by their passions, whether it be for sexual gratification or for food or for popularity or for power, whatever it might be. And Paul says, don't model yourselves on people like that. He's saying, be discerning about who you imitate. As Christians, our ultimate role model, of course, is Christ himself. But we can also grow in faith as we learn from each other. We're thinking at the moment a bit about mentoring and how we can develop mentoring here um, at St. Stephen's. It came up during our Leaders Away Day a, few, a couple of months ago. And we're thinking about how, how can we make that happen in our church so that we really do encourage each other to grow in our faith. So these tensions in the journey that we all experience can actually help us to grow in our faith, to reach out and take hold of what Jesus has taken hold of us for. But what about the future? Finally, what does Paul advise us about the future? Well, he tells us to anticipate the destination. I wonder if you recognise that image there, taken from a very famous race. And the race had uh, reached a critical stage. The athletes, athletes were bunched together as they reached the first bend. One of them was pushed over and fell off the track. But quickly, he jumped up and got back on his feet. Within moments, he was neck and neck with a pack of runners. He was just a few paces from the finishing line when he overtook them and won the race. It was a famous victory, made famous through the film Chariots of Fire. But what would you have done if you'd have fallen over at that point? I think, sadly, I would probably have given up and just been left dreaming of the victory I may have had. But not Eric Little, this man here. He was the opposite. He jumped up and he rejoined the race. I wonder what helped him. I think he must have had the end in sight and he wasn't going to give up. Actually, he was a committed Christian and he went on uh, to become a missionary and he worked uh, in Japan and was actually um, ended his life in a prisoner of war camp. Um, and he died there. He kept faithful until the end until he met his Lord. And Paul encourages us to keep the end in sight. He tells the Philippian Christians, forget what's happened in the past. If you fall over, get up and start running again. I wonder if some of us have fallen over and have thought, you know what? I don't think I can get up again. So we're being encouraged this morning in the power that Jesus gives us. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. It's that power within us that enables us to get up and get running again on the Christian life until we reach the end and we meet Jesus and we will be changed to be like him. Verse 21, he will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. So finally, I wonder, do you know 
where it all started. Um, it's all about a story of meeting Jesus, of seeing who he really is. That he's not just an ordinary man. He's the son of God, sent to our world by his father on a mission. And Jesus could have given up at any stage. He was tempted to give up, to give up, take shortcuts, but he kept going because he knew what he needed to do. He accepted a death penalty through a fixed trial, although he'd done no wrong. Why? Because he was taking on all of our wrongdoing, all the stuff that we mess up in life. He was taking that all upon himself so that we might be forgiven, that we might be set free, that we might have that relationship with a father, with our heavenly father. And we are just invited to look at Jesus, to believe what, what he did was for us and to receive him in our life. And then we too can start on that journey. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord. Although it's written hundreds of years ago, Lord, it's still so relevant for our lives. And I pray for anyone here today who wants to start on that journey. Give them the courage, Lord, just to pray that simple prayer of faith, believing that you died for them and that you're calling them to follow you. And those perhaps who've been a Christian a while and yet life is tough, things have happened, and they just feel like giving up, not getting up and going again. Lord, by your spirit, just minister, we pray this morning, to those who feel like giving up. Give them the strength to carry on. And give us all a vision of that end when we meet with you one day and we are transformed to be like you. Thank you, Lord Jesus.